welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we have got Mr. Sarcastic himself, Ricky Hyatt. Our away day specialist, Gavin Cheatham. I don't really call myself a specialist, but I should be here. And our special guest this week is Mr. Jonathan Obika. Settle down, relax, have a cup of tea, and let's have a bit of football banter. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to football, bloody hell! Now we're down to the to the uh, the bare bones today because poor old Hilda has been taken off ill. So um, it's just basically, first of all, our good friend Mr. Sarcasm himself, Ricky Hyatt. Good evening. I don't think that was that was called for. But oh, I do, without Hello. doubt. Uh, and then uh, our away day specialist, Gavin Cheatham. You there, Gav? Yeah. Good evening, eh? Good evening, everyone. Yeah. And very, very pleased to welcome on to the show for the first time our special guest today, which is Mr. Jonathan Obika. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, oh, pleased to have you, mate. We go back a long way, don't we, mate? That's the thing. A long oh, yes. way. Now, Jonathan, um, you have had an awful lot of clubs in your time, looking at it, but you seem to have made a real sort of home for yourself up in Scotland. So I was just wondering if you could sort of enlighten us a little bit. What's the attraction of Scotland? You know, talk us through your 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 uh, time span in Scotland. Yeah, to be fair, my first time in Scotland was I think around 2018 um, with St Mirren. Had two years there, and obviously didn't know much about the league, but obviously just been watching. Obviously Rangers, Celtic, always the the top the top dogs in in the league. Yeah. Um, and the attraction was just the the format of the league is different. You, it's probably you know you're able to 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 fight for silverware. Uh, then probably where I was, like in a League One, you know, bottom of the table team. So um, you, you can get silverware through cups, cup competitions. And um, in terms of, I think for myself, in terms of having the international breaks, it, it helps in terms of the, as you get older, the um, in terms of game time and, and whatnot. So I feel just the league format suited me uh, to a team. And what's it like playing in front of Celtic's Parkhead crowd? Yeah, no, that's too great. It was, um, yeah, first of all, it was very daunting first time because you, you don't expect it, but they always get 50,000 in. Um, but it's enjoyable. Of course, you don't really see see much of the ball because they just, you know, have all the possession. But um, no, it was a, a nice a nice occasion. It's good to, to play in, in these sort of stadiums and big stadiums. Do you, do you think that the Scottish League is a bit of a, I was going to say fast, that's perhaps a little bit strong, but when you've got such a, a couple of, you know, strong teams such as Rangers and Celtic. I mean, does it make it so so difficult? I mean, who comes next in the in the hierarchy? Hibernian? I don't know. Yeah, to be fair, it changes now. Now the I think when I first came, it was like the Aberdeen, Hibernians, but now it changes like ourselves, Motherwell. We, you know, to to break into the top six or top four is possible, um, but to break the top two, you know, that's uh, that's very difficult. Yeah. Rick, you got anything to ask Jonathan on the old Scottish front? No, I just um, yeah, it's I'm surprised that you missed out on Aberdeen, Adrian. Yeah, that's not Jonathan, but with Fergie connection, of course, that's one of the biggest, yeah. biggest clubs. So, who is it this this season? It's back to Aberdeen again, isn't it, Jonathan? What's that? Um, in terms of, in terms of oh, yeah. yes, fair, Aberdeen. They finished strong last season, so yeah. they, they should be up there. Um, so yeah, I'll say Aberdeen, Hibs, um, Hearts also. They're they they're, they're great sides, but um, big, I think they're now, big city sides as well, aren't they? So they yeah. you'd think that they would be able to compete. Yeah, of course, with the budget and and also obviously yeah. the uh, the players they can draw in. Uh, but it's, I feel over the years you can see you know like teams like Livingston, Marlborough have done it, uh, Saint Mirren done it last season where you break into the top five, top six. Yeah. 
So um, there's there's a lot to play for. So which league. which is the more intimidating place to play at Celtic or Rangers? I will say Rangers actually is more yeah. hostile. Yeah, more hostile to be fair. Can, really? Yeah, I think probably you can hear the fans and um, it just has that feel around. But Celtic because I think it's quite a well a new newish stadium. Um, everything looks quite fresh inside, so it just seems like a nice stadium to play. Yeah, that's right. I you managed to score against. Have you managed uh, to score against either of the old firm, uh, Jonathan? Uh, not yet. This season, hopefully. This season. Yeah. Score against them both. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, during your time up there, of course, uh, uh, Lee Johnson was at uh, Yeovil when you were there, wasn't he? Lee, uh, Lee Johnson. Yeah, Lee, uh, Lee Johnson, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was. So, of course, you, I mean, do you see him? Have you seen him up there at, at Berlin or not? Was, uh, not yet, not yet. To be fair. We, actually, we played against we played against them, but obviously, I played under his his father, um, Gary Johnson. Gary, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Yeovil, so um, yeah, of course, you, you just shake the hand, but um, I've not met him formally. No, so you you didn't didn't actually play in the same team as him at Yeovil then? Oh no, 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 just Gary, just under Gary. Yeah, just under Gary, right, right, and uh, yeah. So this season now that you've you've moved to Motherwell, um, yeah. what how do you see you know the the, the next season coming up uh, going? Are you optimistic of uh, a good showing? Yeah, definitely. I feel we. Um, I was there for the last say four or five months of um, uh, last season, and we finished strong. We had the you know on form on form wise um, from probably February to to the end. We were like uh, second actually. So. Uh, went on a good run, um, so now it's just to, that's like the minimum we accept. We need to, you know, to, to break into that top six, and then you know top four. Yeah, uh, we need a good, uh, to, we need a good run and a, a good start. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I like the uh, the gaffers top, and obviously the uh, the players like we gelled very quickly. So um, I feel that we'll start we'll start very strong this season. Who is, is the... that? Why you made the move permanent then? The fact that. You enjoyed yeah. playing there with all the players and whatever. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think you just know. I've been to, like he said, I've been to so many clubs. So you, when you come into a club, you just know, you know, the feel of the club, the changing yeah. room, the staff, how professional it is. So um, I feel like in a professional environment, that's where I, you know, it gets the best out of me. So um, yeah, I was happy to to make it permanent. Excellent. Who's the manager at uh, Motherwell then, uh, John? Uh, Stuart Ketterwell. I don't know. Uh, that doesn't ring any bells with me, anyway. Um, but uh, so, looking back, Jonathan, I mean, what are your memories of time, your time at Yeovil? I mean, you must have had some good ones because you scored quite a few goals then for Yeovil, didn't you? Yeah, no. Obviously, it was a uh, Yeovil, uh, Skiverton and Nathan Jones that gave me my first uh, taste of that like, men's football. Yeah, for myself and Andrus, Andrus Townsend. So I just remember coming, going there as like an eighteen-year-old and. Um, I remember our academy managers just told us, oh, "Listen, you're you're going on to Yeovil, and we, you know, obviously none of us drove then, so yeah. we were just thinking, oh, how do we get there? So he he told us, this is the train ticket. You know, you're going there. So um, it was just a real. I feel we were there for. I think we played ten games. It was the last ten games of the season, and we were in the relegation zone and managed to to stay up. And that was like a a great feeling. I always remember that time because it was. It felt like you're really. That's the first time I felt like I'm really playing for something because it was people's livelihoods. Um, obviously, meeting new players, new characters. Um, it was very different to our reserve team. Do you remember um, sitting down with Steve Corker, Ryan Mason, and Andros, and me trying to do an interview with you? And the whole lot of you just wouldn't stop laughing. <laughs> do you remember it? Yeah, that was in the the second season. I came up for the second season. Yeah. You must have wondered what hit you when you came up across me, mate. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, always yeah remember, no, I'll always remember that. Incidentally, yeah, I, was, no. I was talking to John um, to Stephen Corker this afternoon, and he said, "Pass on yeah. his regards." So. Ah, yeah. No, Corker. We we speak from time to time. Yeah. Um, no, always always have time for Corker, and obviously Ryan Mason now at, at Spurs. Yeah. So everyone's doing well, you know. Well, he, you know, considering he, he's been manager twice there now, he's 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 done all right for himself as Ryan, hasn't he? Considering, 
yeah. to come back yeah, from a, a dodgy, you know, um, in, uh, injury that he had. I mean, that was pretty nasty, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like the recovery, you know, has been, you know, superb. Like, you know, and, uh, yeah. you, know, you yeah. could see, he's, I feel he's kind of like a natural coach. He's always had that temperament that never gets too high, never too low. So, um, yeah, he's um, he'll do very well in the game. Yeah. Gavin, you got anything you want to ask uh, Jonathan before we move on to the next subject? Yeah. Um, obviously, you had, a, I think it was about four loan spells, wasn't it, uh, John at Yeovil? And they were quite long spells. You know, like we see, I remember when you come in, like you said, with the other lads from Spurs and you kept us up with that um, that draw um, goal at Tranmere, I think it was. Um, did you ever come close to an offer for you to permanently sign for Yeovil or did that never come into the equation? Um, yeah, that never came into. I was never offered a, a permanent deal. I was because I was always just going on different sort of loans. Um, so when it came to, I think it, when I left, I left Spurs at like twenty-three, and it was only Swindon. Um, I think Peterborough back then uh, that were in for me. So um, oh, and Charl- and Charlton. So yeah, um, your will, yeah, your will never made an offer. Yeah, but I mean, you had. You had such successful loan spells, and you would, like I say, you were here for large chunks of the season on each spell. It almost, yeah. to us, it felt like you were almost like our player because you, yeah. you know, you've become affiliated to the town and the fans, and you know, everyone yeah. loves a goal score, and you're certainly one of them. So, uh, we, yeah. I speak for everyone, we've all got fond memories of your time there. Uh, yeah, no, I, for I, us. no, I loved it. We, even myself and Josh, we always talk about that our time at Yeovil because it really set us up to you know, really know what the game is about and, you know, challenge it for three points, you know, week in, week out. And obviously, yeah. was like a family club, so it was very easy to feel welcome. Yeah, definitely. And like everyone always says, when not much to do for nightlife down in Yeovil. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from concentrating your football. Yeah, no, literally focused. We were literally just going to the, I think, to the gym. I don't know what the gym was called back then. To the gym near the cinema. Um, sometimes. Oh, yeah. Think, yeah. Then back to the back to the hotel where we were staying. Those were the days. Those were the days. Um, so moving on to Yeovil a minute, uh, Gavin, you were at the game yesterday. Uh, a, I was. Yeah. A, a pretty uh, dominant display, five nil. Um, what do you make of it? Yeah, it was good. Um, the uh, I was at the corresponding friendly last year, and uh, Chris Hargreaves out. Uh, covering it for Free Valley with Steve Rutter and it was a very forgettable, do we say didn't live long in the memory as they say nil-nil but last night a complete contrast uh, Mark Cooper went fairly youthful at, in the first half he had a he had like a um, Jacob Shaw played and Ollie Hayes in the defence and uh, Terry Giverson's son Aiden played it right back and then there was a few try lists uh, scattered amongst it and it didn't help us because the team sheets had numbers on that sort of try list but it was about four of the starting 11 for Yeovil with blank shirts on with no numbers on the back at all and Josh Owens for example was eight on the team sheet and was wearing pink so uh, obviously it was easier for the Yeovil players because we knew most of the majority of them but um, and then um, started off well and um Scored a goal, one of the try lists up front. The unknown try lists up front linked up well with Benjani Jr. Set him up for the first goal just after Will Dawes had uh, hit the crossbar. And it was 1-0 at the change. And then about on the hour mark, um, Mark Cooper made about nine substitutes. And we brought on more experience like Frank Newble, Reese Murphy, Matty Worthington, Jordan Maguire drew come on. And it's practically, you know change the whole of the team which uh, we haven't had the luxury of doing um, in previous seasons you know we've got so many contracted players and uh, I think the gaffer's brought in about nine or ten new signings that it's uh it's nice to not be you know flooded with trial lists and um and then uh, as soon as the subs were made Reese Murphy poached a goal about two minutes after coming on and a uh, quick fire double towards the end of the game by another second half so and then um Frank Newble linked up well with Reese Murphy to wrap it up for a 5-0. So all in all, a uh, uh, good performance. First time I've seen the lads this pre-season and a uh, good performance and a uh, good display. Rick, you got any comments on that? No, just, just that pre-season seems to be working out rather well this year. Convincing wins, lots of players getting 
getting game time and also just that experience of winning games back to back is a, is a new thing and maybe even scoring more than one goal in a game considering the uh, the tribulations of the last last two seasons those are uh, good things to get in the habit of really I would have thought so it, it is looking uh, looking more promising it seems like Mr Cooper has a plan and he's working to it and even though it's only pre-season Rick they were still like you know they didn't sit back at three four they yeah. just kept going for more and uh, that's that's nice to see you know and that's good habits to form in pre-season to take into the uh, league campaign there next month isn't it well it's like you say there are, there are numbers there so there are positions in the team to be playing for so the competition, so they're not going to back off and ease off, are they, really? You want to catch the manager's eye, get in the team and stay in the mm. team. Yeah, and we've got... No, and uh, as as Josh said on the uh, podcast on Monday, he uh, can't play on uh, 3G pitches, and I think there's about seven of the um, our 23 opponents have got 3G pitches, so he won't be playing in any of them. And I think it's the first three away games in August just happen yeah. to be against uh, opponents on 3G. So, obviously, Dorchester have... The artificial surface. So Josh was in uh, coaching capacity with the rest of the uh, Mark Cooper's um, backroom staff yesterday, helping out. And um, so, but it did give like obviously Ollie Haste and um, Jacob Shaw a chance to uh, shine and um, see what they can do because you know they w- they will be needed. It's a long season with the uh, coming in in the earlier rounds of the cup competitions as well. So we were going to need all hands on pump, as they say. I must admit, when we had Josh on on Monday uh, talking about 3G pitches, I was, obviously I knew about them, but I must admit I didn't quite realise how severe the results of playing on them. Jonathan, have you got any many uh, 3G pitches up in Scotland? And if so, do you struggle with them? We've got, I think there's three, three uh, three teams in the league that have uh, 3G pitches. And um, I'm, I'm fine with it, but in terms of, I know we've, you know, just remember at Spurs, like players like Defoe or Gareth Bell, they were, you know, they didn't really like training on on the three G because it's they say it's not good for the knees and yeah. and the the joints. So um, I can understand, um, especially people coming back from injury or um, have had long lasting injuries in the past. They they, they wouldn't they wouldn't really want to uh, risk it on on three G. But you've you've never had any sort of major problems from health wise from that then. Oh no, not from not from the Fuji. No, because no. Josh, our centre half, is, is, you know, it's, he's he's absolutely crippled up with it. He just can't go near it, which which I you know I kind of I wasn't totally aware how devastating it can be, but uh, you know it makes you wonder why they've they've managed to survive as long as they have, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the thing. I think now they seem like they're they're trying to, you know, make it, you know, maybe half and half um, or. Or actually, just get rid of the the three G because it, it does. In terms of uh, when you look look into things like if it's um, beneficial or whatnot, you know, there's not you know there's not many positives uh, as for for players uh, with the three G. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that you know hopefully that can get sorted. The technology on that is is improving all the time, obviously. And I was just thinking there there are hybrid pitches in cricket now where you 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 sort of knit um, an artificial whatever into into the grass and so, like combine the two so it's 50 50 so yes. which obviously increases the longevity so if it's if it's a wear and tear issue with uh, football pitches you'd think that you know that would be the way to go because then you get the benefits without it being such a hard unforgiving surface underneath which is obviously what messes people up you've got uh, got joint injuries yeah. So you you do it's a it's a bit more forgiving hopefully so you know technology's moving on all the time so uh, fingers crossed mind you it's nice for Josh in a, in a way because pitches are generally harder at this time of year anyway so if he was if he didn't at least he's got a reason to be missing games on pitches that would be hard anyway so by the time it starts chucking it down in September he'll be raring to go he'll have had a rest yeah yeah it's true that is true. Um, looking back to your your Scotland days, uh, Jonathan, do you? I mean, you're still very young, so you know you've got plenty of football left in you. Do you envisage staying in Scotland, or are you going to like to come back to England? Do you think? See, well, because I like the league, um, I, I just like the setup. Is in terms of I feel motivated to you know you, you feel like you can win things and yeah. And uh, they say in, in League One, if probably if you're not playing for maybe the you know teams in the top ten. It feels difficult, you know, obviously to get promotion or, or or just stay in the league. So it's very um 
is very tough. But on a motivational level, I feel Scotland really suits me. Good. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move on if I can find my list of topics. Here we go. Um, boys, just generally, do you often wonder why there seems to be so few? Uh, what shall I say? Ethnic managers in the league at the moment. I mean, it, you don't often find that many, do you? What well, there are what one or two now, isn't it? But it's down to opportunity, isn't it? I mean, you, that's what I always think. Is that's where the Rooney thing comes in into America, isn't it? That you yeah. have to offer so many. But it, you don't know whether. I know it is. It is as conundrum when you consider the percentage of players that are yeah. from those back playing you'd think that there would be a natural percentage that would you know just fall into it fall into it anyway and it it is surprising like, but as long as it's nobody's going to appoint somebody i would have thought in this day and age nobody, it's not going to make that much difference to people from a club point of view because you want the best person for the job regardless of where they where they come from and what their background is so it, it does seem a, a bit of a anomaly that it shouldn't go through to that you know that side of the game af- afterwards. If you've been a player, it does it does seem a natural sort of progression, and it is a bit of a surprise that it doesn't happen more. Gavin, to come to you, what do you what do you feel about it? Yeah, I can't think. I was just trying to think of how many um, managers there are currently in the league. Well, Paul in, Lynch is one that immediately springs to mind. In the Premiership, I can only think of two, and that's uh, Vincent Company and um, well, he's not there now, Patrick Vieira, but I don't know where he is now. Yeah, Vieira. Yeah, Vieira's left there. So, yeah. yeah. So, you well, know, that, that's... should just be... And, I mean, there's an awful lot of... Good enough, you know. Awful lot of black players around, as Rick makes the comparison. I mean, it, it is... It is it's, it's not balanced at all. No, it's not. No. It should just be... Uh, you know, do, do you ever see it changing? I mean, is, are, are we just... Are we just living through a time when it's just never going to happen? Because I, I can't see why. I, you know, why, there must be some... Extremely good managers around that are, just happen to be black. I, I I don't really understand it. I mean, Vincent Company's a pr- no. prime example of a very good manager. Well, he seems to be anyway. We'll see what he gets on in the, in the, in the Premier League this year. But I mean, he, he did pretty well at Burnley last year, didn't he? To be fair. Well, he's not going to have the Man City players yeah, that... on loan there this year. That make a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Are you seeing? I know. Um, obviously. Of Darren Moore at Chef Chef Weds, obviously now he's he's left. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel he encourage. Um, I say more 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 black players to to get into coaching, especially um, when you're seeing you know a lot of you know positive successful uh, managers when they're doing well and, and whatnot. So um, I feel that's uh, when you see I like, say Patrick Vieira doing doing well in the game um, because I know there's a stigma. In that way, so you don't see a lot of, of black managers in the game. So when you're when you are seeing, I say Vincent Company getting promotion, yeah. I feel it does give you know black players a lift in that sense. Yeah, that's what you need, isn't it? You need a, one or two really successful ones at, yeah. right at the top of it, and yeah. then that bleeds through because it normalises. You see um, black managers on the telly more often, and you see it. It's not an unusual thing. It, and it, it was the same way back in the. Back in the seventies and whatever, with with the players as well, and that's yeah. Nobody thinks twice about it now. So you'd you'd certainly hope that it would gradually work that way with the managerial staff and coaching staff. There are more coaches now in the in the in the back rooms there seem to be rather than uh, than there used to be. So it's whether it's just that one step onto the main profile, highest profile position. But um, yeah, it, it's I don't know. Give it time. I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into it. I certainly hope there's nothing behind that. That that would be daft. Have you ever been? Um, have you ever played under a, a, a black manager, Jonathan? Uh, Chris Powell at Charlton. Yeah. Um, I was on loan there. Um, I think for six, last six months in the in the Championship then, and um, and obviously even in the staff staff was um, Jason Yule. Also. Yeah. So, um, and and so, did, uh, you, yeah, did, did you did you find uh, they were were, were good? Or did you find that they weren't so good? Yeah. No, no, it was, it was very, very good. You know, um, enjoyed it. In, in terms, I feel as as players, you don't really, you know, look at our case. Is this a black manager or is this a white manager or whatnot? Um, but in terms of, you know, you just want the the manager to 
to come across tactically well and you know as a man manager come across very well and uh, Chris Powell was was top and uh, I feel like I you know after that loan I think he wanted me on a permanent and you know that's one thing I I wish I kind of pursued yeah. you know because uh, I think I was like 21 21 years of age then Chris Powell had a spell in the England setup I think didn't he at some stage when he joined yeah, the under 20 uh, yeah I think he might yeah, have been, been involved with the seniors seniors yeah. for a bit as well in there. Uh, Coaching yeah. one of the coaches. I, I mean, mean when it was I, yeah, also. What, what I was yeah. trying to get to was that you know, there's nothing substandard about what they do, the goods that they so-called produce, as it were. So you know that kind of makes it even more puzzling as to why there's so few of them that seems to just make that breakthrough and become, uh, you know, uh, a, a regular manager. In the, I mean, right, Paul Ince we mentioned, but and and the guy from uh, Darren. Was it uh, Darren Moore? Is it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, um, but that you know, we're hardly sort of getting names flushing, you know, in front of us all the time. So it's it's it is a bit worrying, I think. But anyway, we'll we'll move on from that one. Um, yeah, but it's like John said though. It's just a good manager is a good manager, and it doesn't. It's, it's yeah, like it's a walk of life. Yeah. You're yeah, good no. at your job. You're good at your job. Nothing else should come into it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting. On the contrary, I mean, I, I'm. You know, I want to see more. I think it should. It would be much more balanced across football. But you know, football changing so much as we're finding out right now. I mean, the, this Saudi league situation. I mean, Rick. I mean, come to you. Do you think <laughs> that you're going to get? You know, you've got Manchester City, Liverpool in particular, who've lost some prominent players. Whether we agree whether they're good, bad, or indifferent doesn't matter for the moment. But from the point of view of their teams, you're taking out. I mean, City have lost sort of what three or four. What I'd like to say were almost integral players from their team. How much of a difference do you think that's going to make to them? I think with with City with with any of the players that have gone, you look at the age profile. It is like the, it's like the Chinese thing that you're not going to get somebody who's going to go in the peak of their career. It's usually. I know Myers has gone today, but he's still 32. And he, I know he would still be integral to City, but it's not like they're losing somebody who's 24, 25, and they're going to build the team around him. He's probably in his last couple of seasons with it anyway. It's when the. But then again, you don't know how it's going to work out with. Because, like, the highest. The player that sort of fits that profile the most that's gone is probably Neves from Wolves. Now, is he going to get loaned back into the Premier League again? So it's not really leaving it i mean it's one of those things that you just again you, you're gonna have to give it time to work itself out and find out whether it is just the older players that are going for one last payday and whatever or whether it, if they start taking a lot of younger players and then it becomes i would imagine then it would become more of a more of an issue but as it is at the moment you can understand players going as much as it's a bit of a wouldn't say Mickey Mouse League, but it's it's not an established league or whatever. You can understand the the blokes that are over thirty who haven't had the best of careers that are going for the for the money because that is life changing. But when you've got Mr Henderson going, well, as we discussed on Monday, that's one that I think if he he had an opportunity there to really make a stand if he believed in his LGBT stuff and and all that sort of thing, he could have been a real standard bearer for that. And I think that's. From my point of view, I think that's the most disappointing one because he had a he had a platform and he could have made a stand. But you don't know, do you? I mean, John, would you go? Given your opinion, <laughs> you know, oh, it yeah. might happen. You never know. Yeah, no, of course. I feel with um, with the Saudi, I think it's clear in terms of when players go there what the the motivation yeah. is. You know, you know whether it's you know is the money in that sense and is about you know people have different you know. Um, Loyalties, ways their family securing their family's wealth or or whatnot. So, as a player, I can understand. I can understand that. Um, and I feel for players, you, you just don't know what's happening in in their lives in terms of with Premier League players. You think, you know, do they need need the money? Yeah. They're in, you know, very well. But of course, they you know maybe their outgoings are, you know, um, high also. So you, you just never know. I think I suppose you just never know what's going on in their lives. But um, like you said, in terms of, you know, standing, I know you, you mentioned Jordan Henderson uh, stand, standing for, for what 
you know someone believes in and um i can i can understand that argument also so 700 grand a week is that all right with you then jonathan i'll speak to your agent <laughs> about it you know <laughs> but i mean it's colossal amounts of money though isn't it i mean yeah. i don't know how much ronaldo's on but i mean it, he must be the only one that's above that i should have thought 700 grand is a huge amount of money um any idea what ronaldo's the thing with the, with the Saudi thing coming in now, it's like so so high, high profile. But then this week, sort of not puts it into perspective. But is is it that different to Messi signing and going to America? Is it really? Because that's obviously he's been done for the same reasons. He's not going for football reasons, is it? He's going to raise his profile or raise the profile of the league. The league is using him. So is it is it that different? It's just. Because the Saudis are the new boys on the block doing it, and there's so many are going all at once, it, it's it's more noticeable. But you know, the, the states have been doing it for a little a little time. They've been getting high profile players, and they they take that one last. David Beckham finishes his career there. Stephen Gerrard finishes his career there. You know, so is it that is it that different? Is it just because it's so many happening all at once that it seems like it, it, they're taken out of the league, but they're not necessarily doing anything different than what's been done for the last. 10, 15 years by the MLS. Gavin, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with Rick. It's like, like you say, what the uh, MLS done 15 years ago, now the Saudi League and like when they had the Chinese Super League, when they had the, and the Japanese League, the J League and the likes of Gary Lineker was poached and then managers like Sven Goran were managing over there and Hulk went over there, didn't he? It's all yeah, like, it um, it's just all these leagues just from there. And, but like, it's never going to be Never going to rival Premier League, La Liga, and um, you know the main leagues around Europe, is it? It's always, I, I don't think, no matter how much money you throw at it. But it's it's interesting that, that you know the way we're talking about it. But um, Ronaldo came out today and said he thinks that the the Saudi league is is by far more professional than the MLS. Obviously, having a dig at Messi anyway. But I mean. I don't know. Do you think it is? Do you think it's more professional than the MLS or not? Not yet. It's new, I, isn't it? To be honest, know. I don't really. Yeah, and I don't really know enough about it. To be honest, you right. know, I don't know an awful lot about the MLS, but I have seen bits and pieces over the year. You know, seen, uh, you know, the Beckham and Gerard paying for their. Uh, let's seem see bits and pieces when it used to be on Sky and uh, BT, etc. But um, I don't know who's got the TV rights to Saudi. Is it on? But is it on Sky? Or I don't think I'm anybody sure. has yet. I think I was reading on in the Daily Mail they were saying that nobody's picked up the the TV rights yet. So, uh, but I mean, you can imagine somebody's going to jump on the bandwagon. I would have thought with the number of yeah, that's of right. European players going across there. I mean, well, the next thing that might happen that I was reading somewhere this week is keep an eye on it because they might because money talks. Is it uh, beyond the realms of possibility that a Saudi team? their champion is allowed into the Champions League. Yeah. That might be the next thing, and that would obviously be something that would give their league a bit more credibility if there's that thing. But UEFA are all about the cash, aren't they? They're all about the money. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happened. And it wouldn't surprise me if that team happened to be the one that uh, Cristiano plays for. I'm sure he'd love to have another go at the European Cup. I don't think he'd be around for that long, will he? Well, who knows? Who knows? What do you think, Jonathan? Can you see that happening? Had to, like you said, the money does talk in uh, when, when it comes to the UEFA stuff and whatnot. But if that if that does happen, I think it would. That's when you'll see the effect it has in you know for for the Premier League. I think yep. a lot of players would uh, would put themselves out there for sure. But it's it's, it's more attractive, isn't it? If you if yeah. you've got Champions League football there, it's not yeah. just a payday. It all of a sudden has some credibility to it and yeah, puts you on the world stage. So. That would be the thing that I would imagine they'll be pushing for. Sure. Yeah, and and no doubt, as I say, Ronaldo will be at the front of the queue. I would imagine. But you you might be right, Rick. I mean, you might he might have packed up by then. Who knows? But um, do do you think that uh, you know the MLS is going to end up as as the winner or the Saudi League? If you had to put a tenner on now, who would you think is going to be the you know who would you put it on? I'll, I'll probably say Saudi. To be fair, just they've been very aggressive. Yeah, with, you know, this you know in the last few months, so they, it seems that like they can probably get you know any player they they want uh, to boost the league. 
but what has helped MLS, of course, Messi going there. But I think there's a lot of an, there's like a bigger attraction with Saudi now, just because you've seen like the Benzema's, you know, Kante, you've seen now Morris, yeah, going there. So these are you know big players. I tell you, one person who, uh, who would sorry, Rick, would uh, benefit from it, of course, is the agents. I bet the agents are rubbing their hands like mad because the, obviously the higher the figures that they're playing around with, it will be. Be the more benefit to them at the end of the day. Well, it's easy money, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the, the other thing is say, saying about you know which is which is going to be bigger. Whatever. I think the MLS is fairly well self-contained now anyway, and that's more about you've got to remember the size of size of America is a massive, massive country, and if you get that within itself, progressing yeah. the league within itself, it doesn't need to be doesn't have the need to be a world player in the same way that a Saudi league would need to be. Yeah, yeah. You, you get you get the kids coming through in the, in the states, and that's bigger than Europe. Yeah, Gavin, yeah. I, I agree. I think yeah. with the for, especially with the formats of of the league. Obviously, I know with MLS, no one goes. Obviously, no one goes down. No one gets relegated. Um, so I feel that will be a, a big one. Say, you know, when we're talking about you know um, in the Saudi league, you know, if one of the teams or a few of the teams get into the Champions League or something like that, I feel that would definitely be the um, the decider I'll say. Yeah. it gives it credibility doesn't it that yeah. you're never going to get playing within uh, and within the MLS you're never going to get that credibility that you would get being a Champions League team but do you think yeah. it's odd that, that nobody's bothered to go to Arsenal and, and try and pick a couple of their players nobody seems to have sniffed around Arsenal at all so, so I don't know they've got a few there was a few that they were talking about potentially I mean particularly uh, there's one or two that I think they, for, for various reasons they might like to get off their books but then you, what, you Thomas Partey yeah, you mean Thomas Partey Shaka's gone hasn't he but he's gone to uh, is it German yeah he's he gone, gone to, to Germany, Germany I think Switzerland yeah. yeah was it oh I don't know so they have lost a few no, just not to the Saudi league yeah yeah but no it's, it's just an interesting uh, sort of comparison really but uh, you know but on the um, the old transfer front which has been Chuntering along in the meantime. Hello, what? Wicket gone? No. Uh, or is it finished now? Close of play, 299 for eight. Moving on. Right, moving on. Um, yeah, on the old transfer front, uh, uh, Jonathan, you, you, you'll understand that uh, both Rick and I support Man United and uh, Gavin supports Liverpool, so there's always a lot of bitching and bantering going on as to who's the best team and what have you. Um, what do you think about the fact that uh, Manchester City have got these 115 or 116 charges that have been sort of levied against them? Have they? We've never mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Gone up, has it? To 116 now? Have they found enough? Rick found enough one, did he? Yeah, Rick yeah, found another one. posted one in last week, an extra yeah. one. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, what do you think about it? I mean, you know, obviously we think they're cheats, but, I, I, you know... I, not the players as such, but I mean the whole club. I just wonder what what do you feel about it? I feel that obviously the their rise from you know where they were you know back then to to now is is ridiculous. So um, I'm sure you know there was a lot of people looking into you know you know in terms of where the money's you know coming from and or in terms of you know just where how they're spending this much and attracting you know all these people. So um, of course I think is. It's normal to look into it because it's like a when you see a growth like that. Um, but it does look like they, you know, it does look like Man City. It looks like they will, will dominate for for a while. If if Pep, I feel just if Pep Guardiola is there. Yeah, that's I mean, what we were talk, we were talking about that on Monday actually. That a lot a lot of teams have mentioned or pundits have mentioned that you know he's possibly hinted that he's got two more years at City, and teams are sort of like building their squads to peak. At the time when he leaves, because then yeah. presumably that's when City would be more vulnerable. True. Mm. Yeah, because you could see that. Look at Arsenal; were you know, you know, on on form. They they had crazy form. You think they would have just gone on, but for City to probably not look too good in the early stages and still, you know, have that sort of stamina to stay is like it's very difficult to to deal with. You know, so it's always it's never like a four horse race is always like a two one one team has to kind of stick with them so uh but i'm hope you know hopefully you know, you know 
I can tell United, obviously Liverpool. Um, obviously, don't know, not sure about Tottenham, but some of these teams, you know, some of these teams could try and uh, lead a title charge for this season. I was going to come. Jordan, as a, with your Spurs connection, can you can you pronounce the name of the uh, current Spurs manager? Because there's someone on the panel that finds it rather difficult. <laughs> I think I can pronounce his first name, Ange. I think his name is Ange. <laughs> I just okay. call him Ange. I think that's the easiest way out of it. Ange, we've got this name before. My mate Ange. Ange from Odds. But talk to Spurs, which we were. Uh, what do you think about what's going on down there at the moment? Uh, you, you must have been looking... For well, from probably a far more informed source than, than most of us. I mean, what what do you make of it? Yeah, I feel in terms of obviously content, obviously when Conte leaving, it just seems to the managers they can't like keep a manager for for long periods. Like obviously with Mourinho leaving and Conte, so hope hopefully you know this this manager can you know bring some sort of stability. But I think. You know, it's, it's just more for the, the stability because it's, you know, it's the chase for some sort of silverware, it feels like, uh, with, with the fans. So, um, um, if you can bring stability, good position in the league, I think you may see him for maybe a few more years. Being in Scotland, where he's made his name, well, and Australia, but, but mainly Scotland, I suppose you could say, um, I mean, what have you picked up from the, the vibes up there? I mean, what's the general feeling? Is he a good manager? Yeah, no, the respect is very high, to be fair. Um, it, some of the Celtic players uh, speaking on him, like, very high. He gets them playing attractive football, um, very fast, free-flowing. So, it seems like that's a Premier League style he can take. And it seems that's how, you know, I remember that Harry Redknapp's teams were, you know, obviously they had, you know, Bell on the wing and everything was, it was like a 4-4-2, everything, you know, wingers flying down the wing and it was, you know, got the, the the fans, you know, excited and whatnot, and I think this uh, this manager can can do that. It's funny because as the oldest member of the party, I've always remembered the days of of flying wingers and going right back to the Oval days when we had uh, Stuart Housley on one side and John Clancy on the other, and you know, out and out wingers got sort of chalk on their boots every Saturday, and I've always can't understand really why it's it's sort of died out so much we've got so many different teams playing so many different um plans and uh you know i i can quite see why he's, he's doing well um i suppose you could call it basball couldn't you rick really yeah it's gonna be, i tell the thing is from a from a spurs point of view the contrast to what they've had with the last two managers even if he doesn't there's a lot of pressure at Tottenham to win because it's a stick that everyone beats them with it's how long since they won a trophy First time, everyone always mentions that. But the fact that they've had to put up, they've gone for two proven winners, as I believe you called Mr Mourinho once, Adrian, when he was Yeah, yeah, he's a winner. That ended he's well. a winner, as Jose. Um, yeah, yeah. But they've gone to sacrifice playing attractive football for the desperation of trying to win something. And they've got two guys with reputation for winning things. You've both have failed, and the football's been horrible. You sort of think that, not that he's got a free hit, but... And you'll be cut an awful lot of slack if he gets the team on the front foot, gets them playing attractive football and winning games and whatever. The fans will probably be a bit more forgiving once they've got used to him a little bit. That he's not necessarily winning things, but at least it's it's nice to go to the best stadium in the world and actually watch some decent football rather than the dire stuff that they've been been having to to watch for the last uh, last couple of seasons. I would have thought so anyway. From a Spurs point of view, with Gav? my Spurs hat on, don't have. Gav, hello, Gav, are you there? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, I am. I was just going to say, what, what do you make of that? What Rick was just saying? Yeah, I think, um, like, like I say, like Mourinho has won a lot in a lot of countries, and um, as has Conte, but um, I think like Spurs are like the jack pulls off, and um, Ange from Oz, as we call him. Uh, you know, they can get on the front foot. I, I was going to ask Jonathan, actually, what he thought about, because um, we've debated it many times on this pod over the last few weeks, what he thought about what shirt Harry Kane be wearing coming this season, which club he'll be at. I, I do believe he will, he, he will stay. Um, I know there's obviously talk of Bayern Munich and, and whatnot, but I have a feeling he will, he will stay and, you know, one more year left of his contract and then we'll have kind of a free 
free choice to yeah. see where he goes. Because um, I feel I have a feeling maybe Daniel Levy might just make things a bit difficult um, for the because he, he means a lot to the club and is um, you know if they lose him to replace him is is going to be very difficult. But can you can you see Daniel Levy letting him go for free at the end of a contract? <laughs> you know that's not his style, is it? Yeah, that's the thing. But I feel he will have a number, and if you know if Bayern, it depends if Bayern want to you know you know go all out for that or. Bayern will just be like, you know, let's see what we can do, you know, well, in the summer, next well, summer. Well, Tom, Tom White was on. Have you many dealings with Levy? Sorry? No, I was just going to say, John Fenn, have you had, did you have many dealings with Mr. Levy yourself in your time when you were at Spurs? And not too much, Steve. You just always used to see him in the, um, in the cafeteria and whatnot. But it was always pleasant. Um, you would shake your hand, you know, say good morning and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, never... All the dealings, because obviously I was like a youth player, um, even though I had a few appearances in the yeah, first season. Sure. Always deal with like the, you know, the academy manager, like whether it was Clive Allen yeah, back then. Yeah, sure. Who so. was the manager when you were you were there, Jonathan? Um, Harry Redknapp. It was Harry, was it? Yeah, Harry Redknapp. Yeah, so he, he's the one that gave my debut, and then we had Andreas Villas-Boas, and then Pochettino. So I left under Pochettino. What was he like, Pochettino? How did you get on with him? What was he like as a manager? Uh, no, top top manager. So we had a few times where I was training with the first team and whatnot. But he was very um, very disciplined. Um, like everything was recorded um, uh, from training, even at, you know, gym sessions and whatnot. So um, he was just like a disciplined manager, but he got the best out of you. Very top man manager also. Um, someone that... Like even as you know, players that were on the fringes and whatnot, he he wants to actually know about your life, you know. So um, he's a no, very good manager. So do you think he'll get Chelsea challenging again for the Champions League places at least after oh. a really poor season just gone? Yeah, I, I think so. I think especially with you know, obviously he's, he's going to get his his own team now because it seems that a lot sure. of the, a lot of players are leaving and whatnot. So he's probably going to get in his own. Uh, feel and he'll have his own um, instructions to give. So uh, I think they'll yeah. do. I think they'll do very well this season. They trimmed the squad quite a bit. We've mentioned on the here before, haven't they? Because yeah. they did have a massive, uh, massive influx of players in the last eighteen months, and they are getting rid of them and getting some decent cash for them as well. So uh, he is yeah. trimming the squad and uh, like you say, shaping it to his own ideas and getting his own players in. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot. Of, you see, like there's a lot of youth now um, in that squad. Uh, I know Thiago Silva still there, but he's that you know experience that they'll probably need. So um, no, he's looking good. Even though they are getting rid of players, and, and as you say, for quite good money, they're still pushing it out again. I mean, they've already made, had this bid for Caicedo for seventy million, which they've been told to go away and start at the hundred sort of thing. But you know, usually when they start like that, they do end up getting a deal. Do you think? Uh, do you think Chelsea will get him, Caicedo? Good player. Yeah, I think they obviously they have the backing to, to get him up. I'm sure they can can go higher than the seventy. Yeah. Um, and it seems obviously I know Arsenal were interested, but now they got Rice, so it seems maybe that could be his only destination if he's staying in the Premier League. They'll well, probably make somewhere in the middle, seventy-two yeah. low they say, and then go the hundred and maybe around the eighty mark. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's Harry Kane like then, Jonathan? You must know him quite well. I would have thought you must have played with him during the, your, your early years there. Yeah. No, again, very good guy. Um, I think I, when we were younger, he was always very, um, um, I'll, say, I'll say the word again, disciplined, but he was, he just knew what, what he needed to do, you know, take things out of training. Always very good. Obviously, you can see he's a top finisher. Yeah. But uh, as a person, very down to earth. Um, just level, very level-headed. So you could see with the success he's got, this you can just as knowing him, it doesn't phase him. So um, and he's very highly motivated. So um, um, you could you could always see that he would reach the top, um, at the top level. It's kind of ironic because I remember uh, Terry Skiverton told me that at the time when you and Andros and Ryan uh, came to Yeovil, it was very touch and go. We might have had. Harry Kane down as well, but apparently he went to Lake Norrient, I think. Uh, does that ring a bell yeah. with you? Yeah, yeah, I remember he went to Lake Norrient. That was, a, I think that was like 2009 and um, yeah. 2010. They were trying to 
to get a lot of you know our age group or, or lower out on loan. So the, yeah, it would have been nice to have him <laughs> having part at the over for sure. Yeah, quite would have been would have been ironic, really, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah. at the same time, um, going back to Scotland again, I know I keep harping on about it, but um, playing in those in the Scottish league is is it from a, a a remuneration point of view? Are, are the are the wages there on a par with the English leagues? No, I'll say probably you know say League One in terms of you know you know maybe the Aberdeens and Hibs probably say more to the championship um, but I'll say probably lower championship and, and down so not, not too bad then generally yeah generally in, in depending on the club yeah for sure um, Rick what do you think about the uh, the situation with regard to Harry Maguire being a United man like I am I don't know what your thoughts were on the way they've done it well it's just to- talking about uh, Chelsea getting players in I saw something today that said uh, they were interested in in getting uh, Requiring possibly now that Fafana's out for a little while, so that would that would make sense. And Chelsea are one of the clubs, one of the stumbling blocks of getting Maguire out of United is his wages. He's on apparently on on two hundred thousand a week, and there aren't many teams that would see him as a viable signing that can afford to pay that sort of money. But but Chelsea could, so that might potentially be a way where he's still playing at a, a top standard club. He doesn't lose face by um, lowering his standard in the league and whatever. And, he's, and obviously they've got Champions... No, they haven't got Champions League, but they've got, they're have got they going to be up at the top end of the Premier League, which will help him with the England situation as well. Because he, if he, he wants to continue the England thing, obviously, he's, he's going to need to be playing regularly at a top, at a top he's, club. Because you can only pick him... He's got to stay in the Premier League, hasn't he? Yeah. And you can only... He, can only, he, he can't afford to drop out. No, and he can only go on Gareth Southgate's goodwill for so long. I mean, he's he's managed to be a bit part player at United, and Southgate still kept him in his starting lineup. But that's going to run out at some point because there are players coming through who are going to be playing at the top end of the Premier League and are, and are probably going to put pressure on him from that sense. So, and that, that was still his, his fifth choice centre back at United now, and he needs to be playing football. And it's a bit. I, I think he's, he's people have been a bit unfair on him. He's, he's had a couple high profile mistakes but he's, he's still a damn good defender it's just the system system that United play that Ten Hag wants to play doesn't suit him at all and he looks exposed in that system you get him in the right system and you've, you've got a good player there do you, and he could be picked up for cheap now yeah but do you think though that it was necessary to be quite so uh what's the word you know public yeah with with the taking the captions off him I mean surely they could have just, I'm, I know we're such a high-profile club that then obviously anything that goes on at United is going to pick up by the press anyway. But it just seemed a, a very cruel way to uh, kind of do the job, if you like. I mean, you know. yeah, but it depends who you read, doesn't it? If you're looking at headlines and clickbait and whatever, he was stripped of the captaincy. Yeah. But when actually what happened was he decided that he wanted somebody. Ten Hag decided that he wanted somebody who was going to be a regular starter in the team as his captain. All he's done, really, is almost taken the embarrassment factor away from Maguire and said, you know, because it is a bit embarrassing. Every time you, you come off the bench and play the last 10 minutes and somebody runs over and gives him the captain's armband, yeah. that always struck me as a little bit, that's got to be a bit awkward for him. Yeah. So it's just taken that, that embarrassment away from him, I would have thought. It, and it depends how you want to, how it's written. Because you yeah. see it as clickbait things, he's stripped off the captaincy. Yeah, it hurts, obviously, but I think it's a sensible decision, all in all. What do you think, Jonathan? Would you have, would you have been uh, happy with the way they'd handled it if they did that to you? I think they, it's a decision for the manager. So um, the ma- manager's decision is is final. And, and even now, Harry Maguire, I know he put something out on the social media to show that, you know, it's been an honour to, uh, to captain Man United. And I feel he, he probably had to because I think people... Would be thinking if that nothing was put out, we're thinking, oh, there's been a fight, or you know, the, he hates the club, or stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I think uh, Stephen Ten Hag, even though he, he knows Harry Maguire won't be in his plans for maybe the for the starting 11 or so, that's why he's probably had to make just what, um, Kirk said, that's why he had to make that decision. Um, going back to Spurs a minute, I just noticed on my list of things here. Uh, what did you feel about them losing to West Ham on tour? I know it's only a friendly and it's a pre-season game, but 
it's kind of not the way you would have liked to see them start off with a new manager. Yeah, no, of course, the, in terms of the result-wise, but you know, with friendlies is is mostly about fitness. Obviously, I know Spurs are missing Son, and um, I'm sure there's players in the team that you probably won't see uh, when it comes to uh, the league. So uh, it's all about just fitness and in terms of with preseason. But they were, you know, I feel fans were upbeat about the the performance. They liked how you know um, it looked very slick, and they could see even after. You know, maybe a few weeks or, or whatnot, or a month, they could see like Angie's uh, philosophy coming through. So um, I feel once the league starts, everyone's head is, you know, head will be on it in terms of, you know, knowing where Harry Kane is going. That's still up in the air. Um, having that link up with Madison. So Phil is only, you judge them when the, the league starts, for sure. At least it wasn't it was in London, was it? So that's one good thing. <laughs> yeah. It was in Oz, wasn't that? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah, Pog, Pog yeah. Ange went home for a bit. As a, yeah. a you know, a, a professional from that, you've had your history at, at Tottenham. Did you go on any long tours in the early days when you were at Tottenham? Yeah, yeah, we went to uh, went to America, so Sacramento. Um, I think it's Sacramento. Yeah, and then we went to to New York where we played uh, obviously New York Red Bulls. Um, so I always remember that game because Tyrone Neal was there, and obviously I'm a. Uh, a fan of him in that sense, even as a Spurs man. But, did, um, did you find it very tiring, though, as an individual? You know, all the travelling and games in between, and the pressure of it all, and as a young player trying to make your way and make a make an impression on the manager, was it a tiring operation? I see, it was more excited. I feel the excitement because the because it was pre pre season tour. There's a lot of running and. Um, obviously, I remember going to, to Hong Kong and also, also and where the the altitude, you know, everything, yeah. the air is humid and you're more tired of training, um, but you're excited because you, you feel like, obviously, with Harry Renat, you feel like, oh, you could get a chance. And, and we've got a lot of opportunities in these games. So it's just a good good chance for youngsters to, to show what they can do. Can I jump in there, right? Yeah, jump in, Gavin. I was just going to say, a uh, tiring is a uh, Yeovil to Carlisle on the bus and back in the day, especially when you <laughs> lost four <laughs> 0 Yeah, that was a long day. And I think, and I think one of uh, John's teammates now uh, was actually sent off. Uh, Bevis Mugabe's with you, isn't he? Oh, Bev, yeah, Bev is with us. Yeah, yeah. He, he was obviously at Yeovil at a different time to yourself, yeah. but uh, yeah, he. I think that yeah, we left at six a.m., got back about midnight, and we lost four 0 and. Bevis got sent off in the second half, so uh, it was not uh, a good day. Uh, Carlo back in the day. So uh, I'll, I'll remind him tomorrow. That. I'll give him a yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. Give him our regards. Uh, good luck, Bevis. Give him our best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, our time is up. I'm afraid to say. Uh, so, first of all, Jonathan, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been uh, enlightening, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I'm sure our listeners will yeah. enjoy hearing your comments. Uh, and all the best for the coming season. I hope you have a very successful one. Bang in those goals and keep it coming. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's good no, to, to meet no, you guys. No worries at all, mate. Thank you. Jump. And good Rick, luck. Rick, thanks very much for your contribution. Hardly yeah. a bit of sarcasm Always anywhere, mate. I, I couldn't detect hardly any. No, no, I was, I was being a grown-up today. We've got yeah, you, you've been very, very well polite, really. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good luck for the season, Jonathan. I hope it goes really well. Keep an eye out now. We've never yeah, actually yeah. mentioned that there's one thing, one effect you've had. We've never talked about Spurs or Scottish football as much on this podcast. And hopefully it gets bigger. Simple to uh, yeah. sound. Yeah, sure. yeah. Anything to get your Manchester wreck and the 115 charges. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. Well, I wouldn't mention it. I've never mentioned it before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, Gav, for your contribution. Glad to see you got the old. Um, um, yeah, finally got the comps. Internet if working. Doubt, get a youngster onto it. Yeah. yeah. So, no, are you, are you basically you telling us that every now podcast that you're on is going to be perfect? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. But the, but the comms went good yesterday, didn't it? At the, at yeah, the no, it did. It was and, brilliant, uh, brilliant yesterday. Two, yeah. And uh, and good um and good uh, comms and that. Uh, nice to meet you, John remotely and uh, good luck for the new season yes Gav I appreciate that okay chaps well all I can say is football bloody hell